Welcome to the Woe Podcast about horses and horsemanship. I'm your host, John Hare, and you've found the place where we talk all about horses. You know, the vast majority of recreational riders in our area fall into the category of trail riders. They take their horse out along one of the local trails that pass through both urban areas and open space riding areas. Let's face it, the world seems like a more dangerous place. Riding along any trail has its hazards. The best way to be safe is to prepare for the dangers that may not be obvious. Recently, I got to attend a self-defense for riders course at one of the stables here in Bakersfield. The instructor, Elmo Sheeran, is a retired law enforcement officer who trains mounted officers on how to deal with people who pose a danger to them and their horses. There was a lecture portion held in the stable clubhouse followed by some under saddle work. Well, not the best place for recording audio, I was able to make it bearable. There are a few places I need to apologize for in advance. When recording in an environment like this, sometimes there are folks who cough, tractors that go by, cell phones that ring. For the most part, I tried to cut those out so you wouldn't have to hear them. If you hear a choppy edit, know it was likely cut that way to protect your ears. There's a lot of good information here I think you should at least be aware of. We'll begin in the clubhouse with an introduction from Elmo about his origins and qualifications. I started law enforcement in 1971, a year after Miranda and Escobedo, where we advised people of their rights. Well, that's a long time ago. When I went to the academy, all the instructors were saying it was the end of the world, that we have to advise suspects of their rights before we can talk to them. Miranda and Escobedo, if people don't know, are two major case decisions went all the way to the federal Supreme Court that you have to advise. You hear it on TV all the time. Let me advise you of your rights. There was a mass exodus of old-time police officers from law enforcement because it was the end of the world. We, we can't fight crime. We can't get confessions. How can we? Now, the latest thing for officers is cameras. Cameras everywhere. You're being scrutinized. And even if you don't carry a camera, you have people with video that videotape and everything. Going back, 1971, I became a police officer. I retired in 2002. I worked at numerous uh, assignments, including the SWAT team for six years in the early days, and lost a lot of my hearing subsequently because of that. In 1978, three of us, we were all in the rodeo world, ropers, we were police officers. We decided to start a mounted unit. When we decided to start a mounted unit, we looked around. The only mounted unit in the state of California was in San Francisco, and all they did was patrol Golden Gate Park. Yes, there was posses. Yes, there was search and, uh, search and rescue units everywhere. They have been around for a long time. But insofar as law, mounted law enforcement, in 1978, there was none around. And uh, two years later, LAPD started San Diego, Santa Monica, Oakland, uh, a lot of other agencies, uh, Sacramento Sheriff. During that time period, being that I had been around for a while in training, I was sought after for tactics. POST, POST stands for Police Officer Standards and Training. I've been through every school there is. I must have put over a thousand students through, through the years in numerous locations. Through the years, things that work, I kept. Things that didn't work, we booted out. Now, that being said, police officers, if something happens, we go to danger. I have to reverse the process for this class. We want to avoid danger. 
We want to move away from danger. If you get assaulted, I'm going to show you a few maneuvers and tactics you can do to free yourself. And that's what this class is all about, how you can you know, survive an attack. The course outline, we're going to talk about encounters, people, motorcycles, dogs, hikers, joggers, homeless. we got a homeless problem. Uh, we're going to be talking about equipment that you should have. Regardless if you anticipate any problems, equipment you should have with you. We're going to be doing some uh, exercises prior to that, things that I found that will help you with the uh, maneuvers we're going to do. I'm not going to put people on the fence and toes up, heels down, that kind of thing, shoulder in, shoulder out, none of that. But we will work on some side passing and pushing the hindquarters around because those are two things you know, that you'll need for the uh, exercises there at the end, the maneuvers. One thing that I want to start and I'll be reiterating throughout is you never want to be a victim. Okay, once someone pecks on you and you're going to be a victim, you're going to fight with everything you got. And that includes your voice, making a lot of noise. Okay, in the backcountry, generally you're might be with a partner. You should always ride with somebody. You should never ride alone. I don't know how many times through the years, go out on the trail and here comes a lone horse coming back through the rider. You know, something happened. We forget the horse, you should forget the horse. You gotta go look for the rider. The rider, the horse is coming back to the barn, back to the stable, wherever they're pinned up at. You should always, always ride with a partner. People that do the trail trials or do other obstacles go, well, my horse already knows it, okay? You have to stay sharp. You have to continue doing some of these exercises. Walk on command, trot on command, not when the horse feels like it, that kind of thing. The ability of this class to move on and move quickly, one thing has been taken care of is we have a small class, so there'll be more hands-on from us helping you. The other thing this class will move along <coughs> is rider ability. The better you are at equitation, the better you'll pick up on some of these tactics and the you know, exercises that I'm going to have you do. So anyway, going back to being a victim, never allow yourself to be a victim. You fight till the end because I'll tell you what, that's what you have to do. Let's go back to a discussion on encounters. People. How many people board out here or have horses along the river and ride along the river? Most of us do. Yeah, okay. Every day there seems to be an, more of an influx of homeless people out here. Are they dangerous? No, they're a danger to themselves, really, and then they're a danger to others. But most importantly, they're a danger to themselves. You see them talking to each other. The homeless, usually, you can address that by just giving them a white bird. And if they try to engage you in conversation, there's no need to do that. Just move on. And don't even say anything. Just move on. If you say something, they they already got you on the hook, like the robocallers. You know, hey, um, <laughs> I get five or six of those a day, I'll tell you. So don't engage people like that. Now, if you're out on the trail and there's mama and two, three little kids, that's not a threat. But it's up to you to allow them if they ask to pet your horse. I never allow that because kids are kids. They have no idea. Parents that don't have horses sometimes let their kids just run up to a horse. So anyway, we all know that we can see a good guy or a bad guy. 
motorcycles and bicycles, you can see them at a distance. And sometimes you see them coming and you can see that they see you and they're not slowing down. Don't even bother challenging them. Do like I do, just get off the trail and let them go on by. Motorcycles and bicycles, and besides, if your horse hasn't been desensitized to that, he might bolt or do something. So always set yourself up for success. Set your horse up for success by moving out of the danger zone. Of course, you know it's a stable, and the clubhouse is adjacent to the arenas, and the arenas needed to be dragged. It's a sound man's nightmare. When the noise quieted down, the subject had changed to one of the most common hazards on the trail, dogs. Do you know what the one thing you don't do when confronted by a dog? The most important thing is you never turn and run on a dog. Hold your ground. There comes a time when you see the dog, he's not slowing down and you're screaming at him or doing whatever, okay? At that time, in my research, what is what weapon does a horse have against, say, an attacking dog? Kitties. Hmm? Kitties. The hoofs. Which ones are the best? The back. The back. Okay. Horses are prey animals, they're not predators. So whenever something comes at them, they turn, and as the animal attacks them, they start kicking at it. Okay? And that's your best defense. So turn and go, because the dog is not slowing down. But that's just that 1% you'll probably deal with. Most of them are just going to be bluffing you. And they bluff and they bluff. Now, if you start to move off, move off slowly. If they move up to you, obviously turn and face, and they'll stop, and you'll, they'll get the drift. And eventually start moving out of that danger zone. Try not to go into it and try to scare it. Just hold your ground and try to scare it that way. Because if you attack it, it might attack you when it, all along it was not going to come at you. Does that make sense? So sometimes you're provoking that. And I'll talk about bears and mountain lions in just a second. If it's a, some kind of attack dog, a security dog, German shepherds or rottweilers, uh, oftentimes they will not slow down or they'll come up real close. But if you see them that they're not slowing down, turn your horse and start trotting off. They're going to come and get you because they cannot, unless you have really a good ability, a barrel racer, horse racer, and your horse has a lot of speed, it's a possibility you can outrun them, but where are you going to go? So they allow your horse to kick out. What's going to happen when your horse kicks out? What's going to happen? Hopefully the dog will go flying. <laughs> what happens is you have control. Dog comes at you. You turn. You look at it. And the dog's going to reach you. Hang on to the saddle horn. Because the, the horse is going to try to take care of itself. When it tries to take care of itself, it's going to be bolting. It's going to be jumping. And it might dislodge you out of the saddle. That is your, your biggest problem. If the dog is charging you and he's not stopping, don't wait here because when your horse bolts, he does this, and he's going to do it so quickly, you might come off. And then the dog's going to be on you. So you see the dog coming at you, you turn, and as he comes up, let the, give the horse the bridle rein and let him have his own speed. I mean, not out of control, go over a cliff, obviously, but he can start kicking out. Can a horse be taken down by a dog? Yes or no? Yes. 
20 years ago, 23 years ago, two Venice, LAPD Venice Mounted Officers were working down in Venice, and there was a gangbanger trying to stick the pit bull on the officer's horses. And the officers tried to face him well. The dog latched onto the face of the, of the horse. Then he went to the front feet, and the horse went down to his knees through the rider. Eventually, the officers came up, and they shot the dog. But, yes, a horse can be taken down by a dog, especially an attacking dog. But if a horse is fleeing and kicking, it's really hard for a dog to latch on. Any other questions on dogs? You'll be coming across a lot of dogs. We'll be talking about mace in just a minute, pepper spray, and uh, how you can use it on, uh, on dogs. Equipment. What can you carry? Everybody carries a cell phone, right? Should. Okay. When you ride, is it on your person? I've seen people will put their cell phones on their saddlebags. That's not going to work. If you fall off, there goes your lifeline. You should have it on yourself to make that phone call. All right. Let's talk about, we talked about guns. Kern County, if you believe in guns and believe in carrying one, you should apply for CCW. You know, I believe that most women, unless you're really badass, I believe you should have that weapon with you. Who can stop a bad guy with a gun? A good guy with a gun. So do I fear anybody here? So if you all had guns, like where I work the backcountry, I'd go into camps and everybody's got guns of all sorts. There's no problem. If I heard shooting, I always stop, look, see who's out there. My field glasses before I would even go in. So I believe in guns. If you don't have a gun, who here carries mace with them? Raise your hands, please. John? All right. Years ago, you had to go through a class to get mace. Okay? Not anymore. Old school was mace, now it's pepper spray. It's more effective than mace. Mace does not affect dogs or horses. Pepper spray does. When pepper spray first came out, mounted units were told not to use use it off their horses because it was very dangerous. Come to find out it was not that dangerous because you can aim it, you aim off to your side like we're going to practice out here and we're, we got some silly string and I'm going to have you desensitize your horse with silly string and then you can also see where it's going to hit the target. Okay? We're going to put up some faces. Okay, We're going to practice out here not with the uh, pepper spray, but we're going to pack some silly springs so you can desensitize your horse because you'll hear this shh and the horse will go, what the heck was that? Okay, so we're going to do that and we're going to do it slowly, introduce everybody into it slowly and then we're going to proceed from there. I think that everybody that's on the trail should have this. Does this work on dogs? Yes, it does. Okay, I read this and it says it has like 10, 12 feet uh, distance, but as long as you get it in the same general area as the dog is, you know, he's going to be, you know, smelling that, trying to get away. The other thing is that I suggest, and a lot of backpackers do, is a whistle. Sometimes you get injured and you can't yell, you can't do anything, but a whistle, you can get attract attention that way. The other thing is, for search and rescue, if they want, they're looking for you, or the more noise you make, an assailant really starts getting itchy feet to get out there. If you're not yelling, if you're not making noise or doing anything, they'll continue their attack. The more noise that you make, 
they will try to skedaddle out of the area or stop you from making that noise, one or the other. But you best continue making that noise. That's some good information right there. Did you hear the hum building though? There was a tractor right outside just as Elmo was explaining the use of personal tasers. I hadn't realized they were even available to the public. Elmo held one up and demonstrated. What a great sound. Pepper spray and you know, trucks. But you go. Yeah. <laughs> you, get, you give them one of this shot, and they go, holy crap. So anyway, what did I do? I was going to do show and tell. I'm going to do a show and tell later for this thing. So what do I do? On Thursday, I desensitize my horse to it. He just went half asleep, and I go, Because it's a live presentation, there are things he holds in his hands while he describes them. You can't see them. In this next section, Elmo talks about carrying a baton or a billy club. And as a by the way, the Sam Brown he mentions is a nickname for the belt police officers wear to carry all their gear. So, what else you can carry? Unfortunately, you can't carry this. This is what police officers do. Put officers do a baton that's on the Sam Brown, they pull it out. It either could be a PR-24, an ASP, an extension, all kinds of batons. But police officers use this. This is a martial arts wooden sword to practice martial arts. Years ago, 1980-81, we found that if you had a baton, it was too end heavy. And this is actually made to work with two hands. Like right here, this is how they do it. But we found that we could pull this out, and if somebody grabbed our reins or grabbed us, we could pull it out and do strikes right here, 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 back, or up here, or right a strike. If somebody grabs your reins, you hit them that. But again, you don't really need this because you're not going into danger. If we go into danger to do crowd control, somebody attacks us, then we go ahead and use this. Is there a section in the penal code that prohibits you from carrying this? But what if you can't carry that? You carry good old Western court. This is to beat somebody off you. This was made by my Uncle Jim. It goes on the saddle horn, and basically it's kind of like an English clock, you know, get a horse going. But as you can see, it's got a brass handle steel right here. Pass it around. You grab it like this, Hit somebody? Oh. Okay. So I'm just giving you some ideas of what you can carry. Put it this way. You carry whatever you're comfortable with. And uh, you should not be uncomfortable with carrying whatever it is. Be it a 
that taser or gun or whatever. But say that work uh, did not pass it around, there's nothing wrong with that. If somebody was to attack you, which we'll practice later, if you have a pop or a lead rope or something, you know, you can go ahead and hit somebody. And generally, you always aim for the face. Now, that being said, as police officers with batons and this weapon here, we're prohibited by law from striking anybody on the head or the kidneys areas, you know. So there's certain places we're not supposed to hit. The problem is, if you do hit the head, you have to articulate. I mean, you're fighting for your life, and the guy was moving around, so you, you were trying to strike the, the collarbone, but you hit him on the head. Okay. But as a civilian, you're not constrained from not hitting somebody in the head. As a matter of fact, for years I've been teaching rape, anti-rape classes to women. First thing you do is go for the eyes. As a police officer tries to do somebody, I can't get out somebody's eyes. Now, if you already shot me once, okay, I'll bet you're off, but that kind of thing. You're not prohibited from striking anybody anywhere. And generally, the face will get their attention. Especially if you have a lead rope or something you can hit them with. Okay? So, again, this is good to know. And like I said, more than likely, it'll never happen to any of you, and that would be great. But if it does happen, you know, you need to understand that that's what you need to do. Any questions so far? Yes, ma'am. What about a pellet gun? Pellet gun? Yeah, does that work on dogs? And yes, it can. Yeah, a pellet gun, you can use it. You can use it on dogs. The problem is, is that, say you hit the dog, price pit bulls in the eye and you put out an eye. Owner sees you, now you're going to have to fight off the lawsuit. Okay? You were protecting yourself, you were within your right, but unfortunately, sometimes we survive an attack, but if we injure the suspect, sometimes they go, you know, we're going to sue you for whatever. And some of these lawsuits are so ridiculous, but unfortunately they come. When you train a horse, to accept gunfire, it has to be mundane. It has to be re repetitive and mundane. When they first hear it, like the taser will might work for her, pretty soon he's just walking and I'm doing this, 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 this. Okay. So you have to do a lot of shooting on the ground first. A good drill that we teach our officers, there'll be a circle. The officer in the middle has a gun and he'll warn us that he's gonna fire it and he'll fire it into blank. You know, in an arena. And bam, and the horses are circling them. Okay? And we'll do it again. And then after the second or third one, we all go in and he's got a bag of carrots. It's called a carrot drill. We give the horses a carrot. And then pretty soon we do it again. And pretty soon the horses are going and got carrots. Even though, and they smell the gun, they smell the gunpowder, whatever. So, but that takes a lot of repetition, a lot of good training for that. Mounted shooters, you know, the same way. When you start off, it's on the ground, you start off with a low report, then you start building up to a higher report. <laughs> when you shoot, if you have to shoot, you can have one shot. So you have to pull your gun out, the suspect's right there. First thing you do is turn your horse's head this way, because he's going to bolt from, you know, the noise. From right here, he has to do all this. From right here, he just has to do this and you're ready for it. And the other thing is, one shot, maybe another one. 
and then you're in warp speed. <laughs> Horses are just like people, you know, we all have different personalities. But the most important thing is to start slow and maintain it at a distance. I admire my ranch, I start off at a distance. I'll put a horse in the round corral, I'm a little bit closer than that round corral, and I'll target shoot into the bank that I have, a big old bank, and I'll target shoot and start running around pretty soon to sit there and pretty soon just sitting there watching me, that kind of thing. The most important thing is that you don't want to overtrain with loud noises, and I'll give you a couple of ideas. There's a couple of agencies. Command staff doesn't know anything about horses, and they, but they are really high on liability. They asked San Diego Police Department, a mounted unit, how often they trained off their horses and what was their course of fire. And generally they said, hey, once a year we'll do it, and we'll fire two rounds, and that's it. Well, in all their wisdom, they said, no, we want a full course of fire, which is 30 rounds off the horse. So they had taught their horses to be steady, just rock steady. And then what happened is with overtraining, the horses were no longer scared of the noise, but it hurt their ears and they wanted out of there. So they went up, they peaked, and instead of stopping, they continued shooting, and all of a sudden they lost their horses. They had some horses, as soon as they'd be out in the field, and they pull their gun out, freeze, the horse starts spinning because they knew a round was coming. Well, guess what? As a police officer, you come here, all of a sudden I got my, I can't do anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. So they overtrained their horses. They sold three or four horses dirt cheap because they've been trained, but it's like, so I asked the officers, I said, well, did you wear hearing protection? Well, of course. Did you offer some to the horses? No. That's, that's your answer right there. You know, you also want to give horses some hearing protection too. Okay? But if you brandish a weapon, the first thing you should do is what? Very important. You call 911 even though the threat's gone. Why? Because you want to report it. You brandish a weapon, you use pepper spray on somebody, you have to report it. There's going to be a report made, you have to report it. Because that person might go around the corner, go over to a station, and go, this crazy son of a bitch just pulled a gun on me. What does he look like? Got a beard, got a black and gray hat. You know, he's riding a horse, all of a sudden here comes the cops. Now he's the victim and you're the suspect. Okay? And it's probably through articulation, it might not take that much, but it's his word against yours. And his attorney, when he sues you, even though they don't file charges on you, costs him trauma. He can't go to work or collect his welfare check or whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? So if you use pepper spray, you deploy a taser, you have an attack, and you're not only doing it for your good, you're doing it for the rest of the people. Say you're a writer and there's homeless guys out here attacking you. You make that report, you know, and you're actually helping everybody else that might be a victim there too. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. All right. Question. When you, I know you have to aim in a certain way, but don't you have to worry that the spray might come back into your horse's eyes or nose? Yes. You try not to, but if you have time, if you pull out your pepper spray and you go, look mister, and the wind's coming at you, just rotate over a little bit, I maybe move, moving away, and all now you got it perfect, okay? Where do you aim? Right between the eyes. 
Okay, right between the eyes. Yeah. And you kind of go back and forth. Like the so most important thing is, okay, for example, gun or pepper spray or baton. I'm talking to you all of a sudden I go to gun pepper spray. The first thing I do is turn my horse. Okay, so the, the report's going to be here like I said earlier. Your horse bolts this way versus up or, you know, spinning around, that kind of thing. So the first thing is all in one motion, pepper spray, turn your horse, and you should be right here. So if you're over here, it's even better. Okay? Now, if you, if you don't have control of your horse out here at the stables or in the arena, you're not going to have control when you deploy the point pepper spray either. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Well, that will do it for another show. Thanks to Elmo Sheeran and Rancho Rio Stables for letting me cover the event. I produced a short video for a multimedia video editing college class I'm taking. If you would like to get a real feel for the event, you can find the link to the video at woepodcast.com. You can find past episodes there too. The Woe Podcast is on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and anywhere else you might find your podcast. Click subscribe and you'll never miss an episode. If you'd like to support the show, I fund these podcasts through a micro donation Patreon page. We're doing this podcast thing on our own dime and your contributions Help us stay inspired to do that. You can find the link to our Patreon page at, you guessed it, woepodcast.com. If you have an idea for the show, and they'll be coming out about once a month now, drop me a line at john at woepodcast.com and let me know who you would like to hear from. Thanks for listening to the show and sharing it with your writing buddies. And until next time, for Renee, this is John Hare saying, Go have some fun with your horses. Bye-bye, everybody. For a multimedia video...